Let's pray this morning. Father, that's absolutely true. When we think about your incredible love for us, when we think about everything you've done for us, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our weakness, in spite of all the things that we do wrong, you do everything to the point of sending your son to die on a cross, to rise again to new life, and to offer us that new life. We can't help but worship you, Lord, for all your goodness and for your love for us, that you would want to be in relationship with us so desperately that you do so much. And, Lord, we ask, help us, help us to receive everything. Help us to receive that relationship that you want. And as we receive it from you, that we can pass it on in our other relationships, that they can take on that same image and that we can grow in what it means to not just be your follower, but grow in what it means to be your family. So, Lord, we come to you today and we we just ask, give us wisdom and discernment as we enter into the word. Let this be an incredible time of your presence and your Holy Spirit working in our minds and our hearts and keep us focused that we belong to you. We do worship you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Go and have a seat this morning. All right, we are back in our series, God Loves Sex. And um, if you remember, we are working our way through the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. So if you got your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to go back into that book. And you need to get to uh, chapter 7, because uh, that's where we're going to spend... Um, Basically, all our time today is chapter 7, a little bit of chapter 8, but chapter 7 primarily. And uh, keep in mind what we've been doing here, right, is we've been walking with Solomon, the wisest guy to ever be around, right? We've been walking with Solomon uh, and uh, with his Shulamite wife and trying to understand, as we look at their relationship, how that can apply into our relationships as well, right? And uh, so today, we're up to chapter 7. And as we get to chapter 7, keep in mind, <clears throat> we've walked with Solomon and his wife now, but we've walked with them through kind of their first meeting, and we've walked with them through the experience of courtship, and we've been there on their honeymoon night, and uh, we've been with them when they had their first kind of difficulty in the relationship, and now today we move on and see how do they, how do they continue to do marriage? How do they keep doing marriage? And so... As we look at the study, the title is God Loves Sex, Do It on Purpose Relationships. And um, relationships don't just happen. You have to do them, right? You've you got to get serious. You've got you to do relationships. And uh, why don't you watch the screen for a minute, and uh, we'll get in a, a few tips and a few examples of what that means on an everyday level.
So did you write all those things down? Yeah, every day. Some pretty good tips, actually. And as we get into the Song of Solomon today, that's what we're going to glean. We're going to glean uh, what is it that Solomon and his wife were doing um, that contributed to their marriage growing. And some of these apply to just relationships in general. Some of the stuff we'll look at this morning, obviously, will apply only to uh, to the marriage relationship. But the basis is, listen, every day you've got to be willing to work at it. And uh, one of the risks to our marriages in particular, relationships in general, is that, you know, once we get married, uh, somehow it's easy to let that relationship shift and begin to start taking advantage of, right? I mean, you know, when you're, when you're courting, you're, you're working hard at the relationship, right? I mean, you're trying to put on your best. I mean, you're working hard at the relationship. But unfortunately, somehow once you get married, it's like, okay, now we're stuck, you know, I mean, all right, now we got each other, this is it. And, and it's easy to fall into that trap of not doing relationship and instead start just stealing from the relationship, right? Why, why is it that so often in our marriage relationships in particular, when push comes to shove, we steal away from our partner and instead do other things? So instead of saying, no, I can't work more overtime, you know, no, I can't do this with the boys, or no, I can't do that with the girls, we, we say yes to them, and in doing so, we say no to our marriage relationship. Uh, and we do that because somehow we understand that our partner, well, our partner will just, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll understand, right? Why do we do that? Uh, and we'll see today as we get into the Song of Solomon that is exactly the opposite of what the Scripture calls us to do. It's exactly the opposite. Let's get into uh, the text itself and see. One of the first things we can lift up, if you're going to do everyday relationship, if you're going to be an on-purpose marriage, right, and do it, do what you need to do to encourage and strengthen your, your marriage relationship in particular, it starts with communication. It just starts with communication. Now, we can see that in Solomon uh, and his wife. They've been married for a while now, right? They've gone through a lot of stuff together. They've been married for a while now. Now, I want you to just reflect back with me. Do you remember when they were together on their honeymoon night? So they're brand new husband and wife, and they're on their honeymoon night. And Solomon looks at her, and he starts to describe her. Do you remember that episode? And do you remember where he started in her anatomy, where he, where he started to describe her and admire her? He started at her head. Do you remember that? Guys, you didn't forget this. You start at the head and you work your way down. It was during the sex thing, okay? Right. Remember that. Yeah. He started her, he said, oh, your hair is like horses and whatever, and your eyes are like doves, and, you know, all the girls were, woo right? You remember that, Right. Okay, so he started at her head and he worked his way down. Now they've been married. They've been married for a while. Look at what he does by chapter 7. He looks at her and he says, How beautiful are your sandaled... What? Feet. Have you ever heard a phrase that when you get into a business, you've got you to gotta learn the business from the ground up? You ever heard that? You've got to learn it from the ground up. Right? I mean, it's that principle that we see right away in the, in the seventh chapter. 
is that Solomon seems to understand that as his marriage goes forward, he needs to learn his wife from the ground up. He needs to learn his wife from the ground up. I mean, honeymoon night, that was one thing, but now he's in it for the long haul. And, and you look what he does. He says, oh, your feet, your sandaled feet, your rounded thighs, uh, your navel, uh, your breasts, your neck, your eyes, your nose, your head. You notice how he starts at the bottom, the ground, and works his way all the way up to the top. And uh, if you take time this afternoon, read through this, uh, and there's some beautiful, beautiful language in there. And uh, guys, in particular, I would point out verse number two, because he knows his wife so well, he can describe her navel. Can you do that, guys? I'm not going any further. It's pretty cool, though, isn't it? I mean, think about that. This guy knows his wife. He knows. He's worked. He's invested. He's doing the relationship, right? And to make that happen, he has in intentionally spent time discovering who she is. He is invested in communicating and understanding who his wife really is. That's the first thing. If our relationships and our marriages are going to be strengthened and encouraged for the long haul, it's because we make an absolute commitment to communicate. We've got to make an absolute commitment to communicate. And notice by the end it says, the king is held captive. He is a prisoner. He is a prisoner in his commitment to his wife. Now, a couple of things that, that really come into play for us. Number one is understanding the order of relationships. While our first relationship is to Jesus Christ, if you're in a marriage relationship, your second primary relationship is to your spouse. Kids come third. A lot of times, and job comes later, right? A lot of times we get that order mucked up. And we let the kids become more important than our spouse. Don't do that. We let, we let other relationships out there like parents or other family members intrude and become more important than our spouse. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let me give you a test. Ladies, here's a simple test for you. Who do you talk to more often? And who do you talk to longer? Your husband or your mom? Who do you talk to more often? Who do you talk to longer? Your husband or your daughter? Whoa, I see some people talking to each other already. That's a good question, isn't it? Because the order that God encourages us in the doing relationship is to make sure our spouse takes the primary relationship. And those other relationships are absolutely secondary. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Right? Our primary relationship is our spouse. Guys, who do you text more often during the day? The buddies about a golf date or your wife? Good question. See, the challenge for us, and we see it in Solomon and his wife, is that we commit ourselves to being in conversation with each other, and we commit ourselves to making sure our spouse becomes our primary relationship of conversation. Our primary relationship of conversation. It means that husbands and wives, you should make a date every night, minimum, you know, a couple times a week. 
that you are just sitting down together with no other distractions and you are just in good, solid conversation with each other, right? And that conversation doesn't mean that you sit down and say, now, sweetheart, here's your honeydew list for next week, right? Or you sit down and say, uh, sweetheart, I know that I noticed the jeans are getting a little tight, right? That's not the conversation we're talking about, right? We're talking about using your words so that they're words of communication in affirmation. Communication in affirmation. Proverbs 18 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or what? Really true, isn't it? It's really true. And so in our marriages, if we're going to bring life into our marriages and in any of our relationships, really, it's because we make that commitment and we invest in communication. And for our marriages, we make that the primary relationship and the primary relationship of communication. And we look at Song of Solomon again. By the time he's done communicating, he says, Oh, how beautiful you are, how pleasing my love, how full of delights. See, he has discovered things about his wife he never knew before. When he was on his honeymoon night and he was starting at the head and working his way down, he didn't know stuff that he knows now because now he knows her from the ground up. He's invested and he knows her from the ground up. First thing, make sure you do communication. Just do it. Do communication. Second thing, make sure you do commitment. That you just do that commitment I talked about of making sure your spouse is your primary committed relationship. Look what happens uh, as he wraps up now his conversation in verse 9. He says, may your kisses be as exciting as the best wine. The young woman, his wife, now responds, yes, wine that goes down smoothly for my lover, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I am my lover's and he claims me as his own. What's going on? Do you notice how she's taken the communication and her now response is not focused on herself, but it's totally focused on him. Do you, do you see that transition? He takes an image about best wine, her lips being best wine. And, and instead of responding to him saying, yeah, baby, <laughs> these are really good. <laughs> right? Instead of her responding saying, oh, you don't know how sweet these are, right? Better with age, babe, better with age. What does she do? She instead says, yes, and they're here for you. Yes, and they're totally yours. Yes, and I'm absolutely committed to you. See, her response is an absolute response of total commitment. I am my lover. She willingly commits herself to her spouse. She willingly commits herself and says, you the man. You're the one. She keeps that relationship in the right place. Do you see that? That's the deal for us, is to make sure that while we commit to communicating with our spouse more than anybody else, we commit to keeping that spouse in that right spot. And we don't let the kids take over the house. We don't let the kids take over the calendar. We, we don't let the kids take over how the house runs and what we're doing. No, it's about our relationship with our spouse first. Right? We don't let other family members intrude. Nobody becomes in front of our spouse. What does that also mean? 
for Song of Solomon, it also means then that we're not only communicating, we're committed, but we're also setting aside on-purpose time. Now, this is my, my favorite part of this section, okay? This, guys, you're going to like this. Here's what it is. She now says to him, Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wild flowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see the grapevines, that the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. Okay, you got that, right? You want the short translation? Okay, here's the short translation. You ready? Babe, bed and breakfast time. That's what she's saying. She's saying, whoa, we just need to get away together. Let's just go. Do you see how it's in there a couple times? Let us go, right? And down further, let us get up early and go. I'm not so keen about the early part, but the go thing is good, right? Let us go, let us go. Her response is to say, look, we need time for just the two of us. We just need time for the two of us. That, that's true, isn't it? In our marriage relationships, we have to make sure that we're not only committed to one another, but we actually do it by giving each other time, committing time. And so her response to him is, yeah, let's go. Let's get away. Let's just get away together. It's, it's let's go to the bed and breakfast and just get away together and spend time. When I meet with uh, young couples, I always give them kind of, you know, Pastor Bob's rules for, uh, for time with each other. And uh, whether you want them or not, here they are. Uh, you can write them down if you want to, or you can uh, forget them. But here's the way it goes. You ready? Couples, what you need to do is make sure that once a week you are spending dedicated time with each other. Once a week, you got a date night. Okay? That doesn't mean you got to go out to a fancy dinner and spend lots of money. It just means you got to make sure... You spend time, just the two of you, right? Whether it's out or in, watching a Redbox movie, whatever. Just make sure kids are in bed, you're undisturbed, and you get time for just the two of you to focus on each other, okay? Once a week. Once a month, you need to make sure you spend the day together. Not just a couple hours at night, but you spend the day together. Just go have fun together for a day, right? Um, whatever it is that, that encourages your relationship, but find a day and just go once a month and just have a day of undisturbed time with each other, right? And the last one, once every three months, once in every three-month period, you need to make sure you get away for an overnight, that you get away for an overnight. You say, what about the kids? Listen, grandma and grandpa, they need the kids, Right? And more importantly, the kids need grandma and grandpa. How about you? But one of, some of my greatest memories are when mom and dad dropped me off at my grandpa's place. You know, I have vivid images of my grandpa frying eggs, you know, with all that grease in the black frying pan and pepper and all. Man, that was good stuff. Right? Yeah, you're shaking your head. See somebody. That was good. I have great memories. Why would you deprive me of those memories? I could not get those memories if I didn't spend time with my grandfather. Give them that gift. You're not depriving them of anything. Drop them off at the grandparents. Let them build those memories together, and you go build your own. You need to make sure that you commit yourself to on-purpose time with each other. This is just what Solomon's wife is doing. She's saying, honey, yes, yes, let's get away together. Right? You with me? Good stuff. 
Now notice what else she does. As she thinks about on-purpose time, she doesn't ignore the need for on-purpose private time. Right? She understands for their marriage to flourish and be encouraged, they need on-purpose private time for sexual intimacy. Right? And uh, guys, this is going to make you sweat. Okay? Just warning you. Get ready. This is going to make you sweat. Here's what she says. So she's talking about, let's get away, let's get away. And then she says, there, when we get away, there, I will give you my love. There, the mandrakes give off their fragrance and the finest fruits are at our door. New delights as well as old, which I have saved for you, my lover. Oh, the guys are going, oh, is he going to have a good time? Amen, right? Yeah, well, that's it's in the Bible, people. This is God's word. It's okay. It's in the Bible, right? And and that's what God wants for our relationships, right? It's not just having on purpose time together just to enjoy each other, which we need, but we also need to have on purpose time for our intimacy in our marriage relationships. We we need to just commit ourselves to that on purpose time, husbands and wives. You should be making dates with each other for intimacy. Make dates. Get it on the calendar. Get a big red pen or whatever color you want. You know, triple stars, gold stars. But you need to set aside time to make sure that you share that gift that God has given you of marriage, right, in intimacy. And that's everything she's talking about here. Now, the reason we know that is because of verse 13. You say, verse 13, what the heck is that all about? There the mandrakes give off their fragrance. The finest fruits are at our door. Okay, so what's up with the mandrakes? Okay, so here's the deal. Adults only message today. Mandrakes were a root or are a root. And that root in general is a reflection in its shape of male anatomy. You get the picture? Okay. And it was also believed that that root, if you consumed it, was a stimulant to sexual activity, okay? Now, this is not a biblical endorsement to go out and buy all those products that are out there, okay? Take one capsule and, you know, I won't go there. Anyway, um, so it's not an endorsement of that, but what she's doing is she's understanding what their private time needs to be. There's no question she's focused on intimacy with her husband, right? And notice the phrase, new delights as well as old. What does she expect to happen in their private time? Hey, honey, let's get away and in our intimacy, let's be creative. Let's try something new. See, what happens in our marriages in our intimacy is so often our intimacy also falls into routine. Right? It works. It becomes routine. The reality is, she's saying, no, we need to have time to go away, and we need to focus on one another, and we need to make sure we have time for intimacy, and it should be fun and creative and pleasurable for us both. Right? Now, you need to talk about your boundaries. Right? Make sure you honor each other's boundaries and whatever that is. But there's a permission here to understand that when you're away and you're experiencing that private time, it should be creative and fun time. Don't fall in the rut in your sexual intimacy. 
And so she says, new delights as well as old, which I have saved for my lover. So on purpose, private time. Not just the bed and breakfast time, but on a regular basis. Okay? Cool? All right, last thing. On purpose, public affection and appreciation. Here's how she ends up. It's so interesting. We've walked with them now in this chapter 7, and now we get to chapter 8. And it's been all about the two of them making a priority of one another, right? Now his wife affirms the need to do that not only privately, but also publicly. She wants to be able to affirm her affection, her devotion, her admiration, and her love for her husband. But she doesn't want to do that just in private. She wants to do that publicly. And it's in verse number 8. And it seems like a really odd verse. But here's what it says. Oh, I wish you were my brother who nursed at my mother's breast. Then I could kiss you no matter who was watching. So in Solomon's culture, it was inappropriate for a husband and a wife to have a public display of affection. Right? That's just like a no-no. Okay? And so what is she saying? I wish you were my sibling because it was okay for siblings to hug one another and kiss one another. She's saying, listen, I just want the whole world to know you to man. I just want the whole world to know how crazy I am about you. I just want public, I want other people to know that, that you are the primary person in my life and I am so blessed by having you. And so she's yearning for a public display of affection to make a declaration to everybody else This is the most important person in my life. You need to take that serious. You need to be able to honor your spouse by admiring them and making that statement in public. Now, don't get a bullhorn, go out on the corner of the street and say, this is my number one. No, right? Simple things. When's the last time you walked down the street and just held hands? Guys, when's the last time you actually opened up that door? before she got in when did you do those little things on an everyday basis just like in the video when did you do those everyday things those little things on an everyday basis that publicly say babe you're the one you're the one you see Solomon and his wife understood it starts with communication and it moves all the way through that relationship of doing it on an everyday basis not just in private, but also doing it in public and letting the world know this is God's greatest gift. This is who God has poured into my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you can challenge us this morning again with the incredible witness of Solomon and his wife. And we pray that their words uh, would just be used by your Holy Spirit to speak into our relationships, whatever they are. And that you would help us to understand these simple truths and be able to to just take hold of them and commit to them in our own relationships. So encourage us and strengthen us this day. Thank you. Thank you for your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.